Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pop Cult X, your your go-to for all things pop culture from our Gen X point of view. Um, first and foremost, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, for liking, for sharing. We invite you to join our, in the conversation by just leaving your comments down there in the little comment field on YouTube or by emailing us or visiting us on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's a two-way street. We want to have conversations with you. And if we like some of the things you say, we'll be sure to bring them up in future episodes. So with that being said, my name is Daniel. And along with Gabe, we, of course, we are your hosts for Pop Cult X episode 69. So <laughs> I said that almost without laughing. So let's go ahead and, and get started. Um, so Gabe, what's 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 new in your world this week? So uh today they released a uh, first look at Tim Burton's uh new spin on the Adams family. Mm-hmm. So you have uh Luis Guzman playing uh Gomez Adams, uh Catherine Zeta Jones as Morticia Adams. And um, the two kids, Wednesday and Pugsley, they're going to be focusing, I think, on Wednesday going to this like special boarding school for kind of weirdos or whatever. <laughs> it's like a coming of age story, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm excited about it. I'm a big fan of Tim Burton's older stuff, not necessarily some of the newer stuff. Um, so I, I am excited about that. Um, it looks like they might be going with an aesthetic that is more similar to the original cartoon um, than the movies that like we grew up with Raul mm-hmm. Julia or even Oscar Isaac. Um, I think that a lot of people's first impression is what happened to Gomez Adams. He's supposed to be tall and debonair. Mm-hmm. Luis Guzman is not that. <laughs> and, uh, but I think that it's going to have that sort of humor. Um, I'm not a big fan of Catherine Zeta-Jones. I've talked about her on the podcast before i'm not impressed she's obviously a very beautiful woman i will give her that um however when i look at the picture it has no spark it just there it almost seems like she's a little bit dead behind the eyes um like there's not a lot of passion there versus you know you look at someone like um angelica houston who had that like seductive look but also uh, a very uh, smart and sinister look as well. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very nuanced uh, character that she was playing. I don't know if Catherine Zeta-Jones is is that great of an actress to really bring something that's not just one dimensional. Like I'm going to try to be a sexy goth, you know, woman. Um, so I, I I am still not a big fan of hers. We'll wait and see. Maybe she'll impress me. I doubt it. But that was my initial <laughs> impressions of it. Um, What about you? Did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, I saw the image. And my first and foremost thought was Jenna Ortega, who's playing Wednesday, was nailed that look. It was like I saw that and I was like, wow, that's that's perfect. Like Wednesday, what I would envision, you know, the sinister child, the offbeat, you know, and the like you said, the story is going to focus on her. So it's really cool that she was front and center there. Now, Luis Guzman, I I've heard that criticism, what you spoke about, because he's not what we've envisioned growing up in the Barry Sonnenfeld, right? He was a director yeah. of the other two, of uh, the Adams Family, Adams Family Return Values, and the Raul Julia embodying that Gomez Adams, like you said, the suave debonair. But with the most recent two animated films and going back to the original two cartoons of them, Luis Guman, I think, nails what Gomez Adams is in that essence. Yeah. So the look of him. And and when I first heard the casting of him, like you, I was kind of like, well, that's completely different than what I'm used to. Because 
for me, Raul Julia was Gomez Adams. I mean, yeah. I didn't really know about the original TV show or the cartoons and whatnot. So to me, Gomez Adams was Raul Julia. And, and I'll give Louis Guzman a try. I mean, he's going to be it one way or the other, right? So I will, and he is a good comedic actor. Like you said, I do appreciate his style. And I think he has a lot big shoes to fill, especially in a live action sense. Going into like the animated Oscar Isaac, when he played that role, it was a little bit more of a, you know, cartoony so i think he was a, given a little more leeway because it was just his voice right yeah. so i'm willing to go for it i don't know how big of a role like you said they're going to actually play in this show we don't know how big how much screen time they're actually going to get so it could be that they're just there in background characters not background but they're just not the main focus secondary yeah yeah so it's i'm really excited for it i really do like the adams family movies um like I said, didn't watch the shows, but I do like the movies a lot. So I'm really excited for this. And I'm a Tim Burton fan, like you said, especially of his older stuff. Yeah. You know, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see and I'm excited for it. Yeah. The other thing that was kind of surprising is to see, um, you know, some people of color in Tim Burton's films because he's <laughs> yeah, not true. exactly um, have the most diverse cast of mm -hmm. characters in his films um he's sort of notorious now for kind of it being questionable whether or not he does it purposefully or if you know he just happens to cast a certain type um so i, I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see that he has what i think two or three hispanic latino mm -hmm. people in the show so that would made me kind of happy to see that you know maybe he's evolving and catching up to the times like now mm -hmm. he you know caught up to like 1960 so <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think the odds are that johnny depp makes a cameo i really hope not i i i don't i don't think he will and i really I, I just can't even before all of the trial and all of that stuff happened. I didn't like Johnny Depp and mm -hmm. his like paint by numbers. That's why I started disliking Tim Burton's films because of the Mad Hatter um, because of dark shadows. Mm -hmm. uh, this just, it just, I don't know. Like I just, I, I stopped liking both of them because of, of Johnny Depp, uh, his performances in the films, but um, so I'm hoping that that doesn't happen because it would ruin it for me. I already have <laughs> Captain Zeta Jones, in it, so I don't want anyone else that I don't like it. That's enough for me to, to handle. Imagine you see Johnny Depp coming in playing as um Fester. That would yeah, I could see them like that, like him voicing something or like yeah, being the hand or or whatever, and and it being like sort of sly. They don't really see him. Uh, maybe as long as enough to see his face, maybe I'll be okay with it, but I doubt it. Uh, one of the other things that everyone is talking about right now, it seems like, is on Twitter and everywhere is, it's the tweet is, I just saw the first four episodes of She-Hole. And I'm like, how? How did yes. how everyone watching the first four episodes of She-Hole? <laughs> I thought it was actually out because so many people are saying that. Mm -hmm. So I mm -hmm. even went back and saw, okay, let me check out these people. They must be really big, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought YouTubers, too. A huge podcast. Like, and then I go and see that they have like 12 followers. And I'm like, how did you see it? <laughs> or maybe they're just making it up. I don't know. I said this, I tweeted out the same thing. Cause I was like, 
how are all these people watching it already? I want to see it. Why do I have to wait? What makes uh, these people? Come on, Disney. Yeah. Come on, Marvel. Uh, I, I really think that we should have got, uh, you know, a sneak peek of the show so that we could have mm-hmm. seen the first four episodes. I think that Marvel and Disney is <laughs> but I am still super excited. I can't wait. I really love the the apparent direction that they're taking mm-hmm. She-Hulk, sort of a sitcom, you know, almost Ally McDeal, McBeal meets right. superheroes. Right. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air in comparison to, you know, some of the other shows and mm-hmm. movies within the Marvel MCU. Um, of course, because it's a, a female-based superhero show, uh, all the you know sexist fanboys are kind of going crazy, saying it's like the woke She-Hulk or feminist or you know all this. Just and it's like you don't have to own every single show. It's not about you. Just like the comics, you don't go into a comic book <laughs> store and say every single comic is for me. You pick the ones that you like. You right. buy them. You read them. You enjoy them. Don't buy what you don't like. Don't mm-hmm. watch She-Hulk if it's not for you. But right. other people are going to enjoy it um, and and let us enjoy it. Um, i really excited. I love the cast. I love uh, the CGI looks really cool. I know a lot of people have been talking about that as mm-hmm. well. Obviously, I'm not going to pass judgment until I actually get to watch the show. But so far, so good. And I think that the first reaction is uh, that it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, mainly because Daredevil is going to make an appearance in it. But besides that, I think it it's introduces um, the non-comic book nerds or fans to another character. Because yeah. I really didn't know much about She-Hulk. I don't really know much about Tatiana, I think. That's the main villain. Tatiana, something um, like that. Yeah, so I don't really know too much about them. So I'm really curious to learn about them. I'm excited for that. I always like, and even with the Hulk, it's a different spin on the whole character. He's going down a different path. And I think that's where a lot of the um, irate fanboys are mad about is where Hulk started in like the MCU to where he's at now. And I guess they're just not happy with that growth arc or that story arc, but you know what? So what? I mean, every single comic book run right in comic books takes their character arcs on what the creator or writer wants to. So this is happens to be the MCU arc version of what the Hulk is and where he goes from there. It's anyone's guess. And yeah. it's not the end of him. I think I heard, or I saw something that said Mark Ruffalo is ready for like world war Hulk or something like that. Anytime they're ready to do it, he's ready for it. Yeah. So that's another one. I don't know about. So. Yeah. There's planet Hulk is probably considered one of the best story arcs within the Hulk genre or universe. Um, it, it sort of was in Thor Ragnarok, um, the idea of notion that he's stuck on this planet and he's having to fight for, you know, his freedom. Uh, but it, I, I'm just excited to see something else. It's something that's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'll be watching it once it comes out. Uh, the one thing that I did watch that was, I thought was really entertaining. I was watching it last night was a new Netflix movie that, is a vampire genre within the vampire genre called day shift mm-hmm. it has uh jimmy fox dave franco carla souza and sort of the special guest is snoop dogg uh, <laughs> i really enjoyed it 
Yeah. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't even know that it was out. Um, I think Netflix is really weird in the sense that it doesn't really advertise the movies that are originals coming to their city. They they just like appear. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden (laughs) you're like, oh, that looks cool. And I'll watch it. Um, I I, one of the so first of all, Jamie Foxx is a cool actor. I love him. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, the plot of the movie, for those who haven't seen it, is sort of like a down on the luck uh, kind of a guy that hunts vampires. Um, for some reason, people like to buy vampire fangs. Um, that wasn't very clear to me why they they bought no. them, but um, they buy them. So uh, his estranged wife is thinking about moving to Florida. So that sort of creates the problem for him is that he needs to start getting more money so that his little girl doesn't leave town and go with his his uh his estranged wife right um, and then we meet like all kinds of other characters it takes place in, in the valley in los angeles um it did a really good job of, and what i'm kind of happy about is that i started it thinking do not let them have any stereotypical mexicans in it um because i hate seeing stereotypical mexicans in <laughs> L- movies about la like the worst <laughs> I, really just annoys me is the way that that Mexicans are portrayed in um I think it's what is it Friday after next is the mm-hmm. like the sequel to Friday mm-hmm. where like his neighbors are Latinos and they're yeah, they're yeah. drug dealers and I, I cannot stand that movie I hate it um uh, I hate the way they're portrayed uh, but they got someone really cool they got Carla Souza who I've liked since um she was in how to get away with murder. Um, she's really cool. She's a Mexican American actress. She's beautiful. She's hot. Um, she plays the like main villain mm-hmm. in the film. And she plays like a, a sort of like an elder vampire that is wanting to take California or the Valley specifically back to the heyday of vampires ruling. Cause at one point they allude to the fact that, LA was like all vampires and slowly right. they kind of lost their power. Um, and then that's sort of where it goes. Uh, you have a sidekick for um, Jimmy Fox's character in the, um, in Seth played by Dave Franco. So he brings sort of like some of the comedic element. Um, there's a really good scene where um, he goes and sees vampires for the first time and like almost gets eaten and he pees his pants, which is like really hilarious. It's like one of the funniest <laughs> I thought. Um, it was just really, it was really fun. It was really entertaining. The the one thing I do have to say, and then I'll, I'll get your opinion on what your thoughts were. Almost almost immediately, the movie starts with Jimmy Fox fighting a a vampire. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed. And it's a really different take on vampires in how their bodies moved and how they fight. I thought that was really cool. And I wanted to see more of that because it was so original. You know, you normally see vampires like sort of jumping and like, you know, kind of attacking. And they had that, but like they were sort of like bendy acrobats and like their Mm -hmm. bodies break and they're able to shift their body weight. And it was just really cool. Like, I, I don't know who was in charge of the fight sequences, but it was really dope. It was really cool and yeah. really original take on vampire fights um, because it could have been a little bit of the same old crap, um, but that was really original. And I, and I loved that first fight scene. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. The whole fight scenes were were great. And I think it stems from the director of uh, J.J. Perry because he's been a 
martial artist. And I, I looked him up after watching the movie because I wanted to see what else he had done. And he's been no. a, he's a huge stunt coordinator for a lot of um for John Wick and you know, Fast and Fate of the Furious movies and Fast and Furious movies or whatever, and Warrior. And he does a lot of stunt work. So I think having him as a director knowing the stunt side of things is yeah. what made it that much better. And um yeah, it was great. It was a it was cool seeing how they regenerated, how the vampires came back. Um, Seth Dave Franco playing Seth with the straight man as like the auditor for like the union, the vampire hunters union. I thought that was funny. He was hilarious in that role. Um when they first went to the the actual union and they get back in there, first thing a little Easter egg. I don't know if you caught this. I noticed on the wall, you see a picture of Abraham Lincoln with two axes on the either side of his picture and i thought that was really cool nod to abraham lincoln vampire hunter Mm -hmm. and they didn't specifically say that but that's where my mind went to Mm -hmm. um the seth graham smith book or the subsequent movie for that and i thought that was really cool seeing that that just made it i was like oh that is so cool so um i was happy to see that yeah just the whole take of you know there being a union of vampire hunters and they have different ships and stuff that they are almost like employed bounty hunters, you know. And he, of course, since he's getting reinstated, Jamie Foxx draws the day shift, <laughs> hence the title. Yeah. But it was it was really cool. Snoop Dogg came in it toward the end. I don't want to give too much away, but I think when he steps in there with his big Gatling gun, that was fun. So yeah, Snoop Dogg definitely brings a certain uh flair to the movie. <laughs> uh, he he he's not what you expect because <laughs> you expect him to kind of come in in his like west coast long beach gangster vibe um and it's a little bit of a play on that because he comes in as sort of like a cowboy which Mm -hmm. i didn't expect which is kind of cool um so that was kind of cool the one thing i i have to admit is that i kind of was rooting for the vampires to win towards the end (laughs) um that's just me like i thought it was really cool i loved how they had like the Aztec pyramids under underground. Yeah, that was cool. And I wanted to see more of that. Like it would have yeah. been cool. Well, I guess it's, I'm spoiling it, but you know, obviously the good guys win, but it would have been cool to see more of that mythos kind of be explained and mm-hmm. to see more of it. Um, I think it was sort of an homage to From Dust Till Dawn with like Salma Hayek and, and that being a pyramid. Um, there was a little bit of a nod to uh, Lo- uh, Lost Boys at the very end of the movie uh, with a character having a quote very similar to uh, the grandpa in Lost Boys. Um, so it definitely, like you could tell that they were they're fans of um, vampire movies. They had a really funny bit with um, talking about Twilight um, yeah. between the two <laughs> main characters. Um, so that so they're they're it's very uh, referential, uh, and I think they just did a really really good job. I I do want to see more. I think it'd be kind of cool to see where if they had a, a sequel. Um, I would like to see that. I'd like to see more of the even, even a prequel of what leading up to. Jamie Foxx's character getting kicked out of the union to begin with. What yeah. caused that? Yeah. I think um, I want to see more, even if it's a spinoff of like the Nazarian brothers. Yeah. That fight scene with them, those two brothers in the house with Jamie Foxx. That was, that was so cool. I didn't yeah, want yeah, that to end. You could definitely tell that there was someone who, who is a stunt coordinator or involved in that type of martial art movies like had a hand in the making of it mm-hmm. because the fight scenes were really cool. Um, 
The one character that I thought was kind of unnecessary was like the neighbor character. Um, the one that lives in like apartment 19. Oh yeah. Well, she was a, a spy in a way, right? To keep I mean, track on him. It, yeah, it they could have done it different ways. Without, like it was just like they I think they it's almost like they wanted a cool Asian girl so that she could have a sword and do cool martial arts <laughs> stuff. Like okay. it was more aesthetics. Um I and the other thing that I, I was I found curious is that the second you become a vampire, do you immediately know how to fight and do like cool ass tricks? Because Seth character went from being the nerdiest guy <laughs> and then he becomes a vampire and all of a sudden he's like crouching tiger hidden and dragon. Maybe it's just the, um you lose the fear, right? So you're no longer afraid of getting hurt. I don't know. Maybe. So when I but there was different, I like how the different levels are different races of vampire, right? So yeah. he was like made by an Uber vampire. So he had maybe when he got the blood and it was embowed in that blood already, the the instincts to fight. I don't Possibly. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's a movie. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll accept that. Um, but but like, again, again, I said, I, I think it's fine. I'm not necessarily a big prequel guy. So I, I don't I don't want to do a Star Wars thing where it's like five steps backwards and then two steps <laughs> forward and then to the side and then horizontal. Like I, I, I just like let me see things in like an actual straight timeline, like a linear view. Okay, yeah, like so. So let let's see. Like his they the daughter. He has a daughter in the film, and she says, "Oh, when I become you, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a vampire hunter like you." And they joke, like, "No, not at all." Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a really cool thing. Is like let Jamie Fox bow out, and then you have a really cool badass female vampire hunter. Um, and that would be kind of interesting to see where they could do with a female version of Jamie Foxx's character. Um, and then like the new version of, uh, the vampires, like the next generation, if you will. Um, so I think that might be kind of cool. See, you know, where Seth, the vampire comes into play and how he's able to to control that. So I'd be excited to, it, it kind of, this movie reminded me of the zombie one, um, on Netflix, what was that one called? Planet Zombie or in Vegas? Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Where the it's Zach like, it's one, fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like there's a lot of information, like a lot of of uh, almost mythology that they introduce that you're kind of left wanting more. Mm-hmm. Like the zombie king and queen or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> you have, and so they build these characters and then it's like, okay, well, I want to see more. Like, I don't want to see it end within a two hour movie. Mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want it like, let's keep it going. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like, I, I like horror movies that continue to be like five and six series. Like they continue that the, the genre and, and the films going for a while, like nightmare on Elm street or Friday the 13th. Um, so I think that we should get more of that within modern uh, movies, it's modern yeah. horror movies. I like the Conjuring universe is like probably one of my favorite and a good example of how they just kept expanding and and uh, creating more films within that universe that I really enjoy. So yeah. hopefully they do that. Yeah, and they should, of course, obvious title would be Night Shift, right? <laughs> there you go, J.J. Perry and the writing team. There's your sequel, uh, Night Shift. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i well, watched they, a cool oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say that they, they are they already filmed i think and it's coming out soon um salem lot 
Salem's Lot, which is based off of the book by Stephen King, which mm-hmm. is about a guy that returns to his uh, hometown and finds that it's like populated by vamp- vampires. Interesting. Um, Didn't they already make that movie once? It came out, I think, in the 70s or 80s. Okay. And, so kind of like Firestarter, how they remade that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's something else. So, so I, I love vampires. I like love vampire uh, mythology. Um, Interview with the vampires coming out um, again. A it's series, gonna, right? Going to be a series. They've mm-hmm. recasted kind of creatively. Um, one of the main characters is now like African American versus the Brad Pitt character. Uh, <laughs> So it's it's sort of like more realistic casting, I think, like being that it's in New Orleans. Um, I can't wait to see more of New Orleans. I'm actually going to be in New Orleans in about two weeks. Oh, I just nice. love that vibe of that voodoo, Creole, jazz, French culture, like all intertwined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just like it. I'm a big fan of that. So I'm excited for that to come and see how, how they uh, reworked Anne Rice's book um apparently it's it's got its own vibe so i'm really interested to see what they're going to do yeah that's that's interesting i was i mean i like the original movie i didn't read the book probably should have but the movie was okay i mean tom cruise and, and brad pitt was cool in it but yeah. it was okay it was i don't know it was a little long for my liking <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think vampires have cool storylines i wish like the movie um underworld where they have vampires versus werewolves they i i really wish they would remake that story because that is something that i think they could do a i wish they would do a better job of because i really wanted to like that that whole series but it was just like eh, okay i i never understood the plots and it, it always it just seemed like there was always a new film but it was like the same plot but not the same plot and the same exactly like it seemed like the same characters but not really uh it sort of reminds me of like resident evil or yeah resident evil yeah where Mm -hmm. it it's like is it a new movie like is it the same characters like it's the same stuff over and over again like where it's just they're making money is basically what they're doing um but i i love what is it kate bosworth is that yeah her name she is is gorgeous. She, I think she mm-hmm. that that was the moneymaker, just like Mila Jovovich is like she's mm-hmm. a cool ass chick, mm-hmm. kicking ass. That's what people liked. But they could have done so much more justice to the plot, the movie, having her actually have some like really cool lines. I don't know. But <laughs> aesthetically, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, you're right about the aesthetics of it. I just wanted more from the plot and story. Yeah, you could almost watch it with the mute button on. <laughs> Just play some like heavy metal music and, you know. There you go. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) So I cut you off. You were going to say something about something else you saw. Oh, I watched a documentary on HBO Max about Milestone Media. I'd never heard of Milestone Media before. Um, So when I saw it up there, I was like, oh, what is this? So I started watching it. And it's fascinating how these four... um, comic book creators came from their respective worlds and created the first black owned black um, artists creating black comic book characters. There was, um, I think, Static, Icon and Rocket and a couple others that slipped my mind right now, but it was just- Hardwire, I think. Hardwire, yes. 
thank you. That was the other main one. And um, and then how they that was like mid nineties. So right, and they were talking about how they met at like Comic Con and had all these secret San Diego Comic Con had all these secret meetings to create this company and how they went alongside with DC, partnered with DC for like their publishing house and whatnot. But yeah. they own the rights to the comics themselves and how they built them up. Of course, it spawned the Static Shock cartoon of the early 2000s voiced by the great Phil Lamar and um, how that people didn't realize that came from the Milestone Media comic Static. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. <laughs> I don't even know that com- that cartoon. But they did make a comeback, I think, last year. So they revitalized the company and now I just want to go buy it because it's it looks really cool. I'm really interested to see, especially how they turned it their um, main character, who I think is Static. I think that's like their probably their, their flagship character. Gentleman gets his powers. Teenager gets his powers back in the day from a gang war where something bust open and he got imbued with powers. How they pivoted that to the re-release of it to being at a um, a protest. So whether it was Black Lives Matter protest or something similar to that, they use that sort of environment, the kind of world that we're in right now to create the the generation of this character. And I thought that was really cool. So I'm looking forward to picking that up. Go watch that. It's called Milestone Generation. If you haven't seen it, it's a really good documentary. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I bought the first couple issues of that new run. Um, I was going to try to go back and collect the original but mm-hmm. I think they're probably a little bit more expensive than I'm willing to pay <laughs> right now. Um, but I, I've always been fascinated since I'm young with trying to find superheroes or characters that are more reflective of the of of like my life, of mm-hmm. you know, of the diversity that I see the world. So I constantly was looking for characters that were black, that were Latino, that were different than just like the Superman. Um, they were more appealing to me, more real. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I love that they created that world. Um, I'm excited to see that that they're back and that they're creating new stories uh, for those characters. And um, I think they're in talks to possibly maybe make, make, maybe making a static movie. Yeah, um, I That's think what that, I heard, yeah. Um, Michael, I forget his middle, Michael D. Jordan is attached. Michael to B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, yeah, to either produce it or maybe direct, but he's attached, you know, shown interest in it. Um, I think it's really cool. I think that that a lot of times some of the criticism that people have online is, you know, why do we have to make these iconic heroes black or Latino? Like you see this right now with Namor, the submariner, people mm-hmm. saying, why do we have to have him be Mexican? Why can't you just create your own characters? Well, here you go. Here's a group of guys <laughs> created their own characters and did it in a really cool way. So, like, let's support them. Let's read their mm-hmm. books. Let's listen to their stories. Let's read their stories, and and see what they come up with. Because, um, you know, they're taking control of and creating the world that they want to see in their comic books and letting it reflect you know, the life that they, they have and see, um, mm-hmm. obviously they don't have superpowers, but, uh, you know, having <laughs> stories about young black kids or, you know, young black adults is really cool. And, and I think that it's really admirable that they do that because I think that we, uh, you know, people who are creative in an industry that want to see things reflecting their society, their community, you know, part of it is demanding change from the people that have power. And then another part of it is like create those stories, 
create those characters, create those movies, books, films, whatever that you want to see. Um, and right. we, you know, we sort of talked about that with our our last guest um, that we had on of of like create what you want to see, and then yeah. as a community yeah. support them when they release it. Support those people that are making you know, those, those new characters up or creating those books and stories, um, because they need your support because we, we need to show that financially it is a good investment to create or publish those type of things. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they mentioned at the end of the documentary, which I thought was fascinating and really cool is that, um, the creators, they, they, they collaborated with ally, um, and they created the, this milestone, um, inspiration like a week-long seminar where they bring in creators and business people uh, of people of color or um, who might not have the same sort of um, thinking that they can do it in the mainstream I guess mm -hmm. so they invite all these people to this seminar and sh give them the show them the tools you know teach them how to um, navigate the world of self either self-publication or just um, navigating the world of comic books or whatever their interest is. And I thought that was really cool because it takes people who, like I said, who think that there's no way I can do this. I don't have, I don't look the part. Maybe I don't, I don't have a way of getting in there and they show them that you can do it. Like you just said, create the world you want to see. So yeah. I thought that was really cool that they did that. Nice. Yeah, I definitely have to check out that documentary. I haven't, I've seen that it was released and created, but I haven't sat down to actually watch it. Um, but it sounds like it's very fascinating and, and really cool. So I will definitely have to check it out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. One Anything? thing I wanted to mention, and this is just a little side note, nothing really busy. So I've been seeing a lot of tweets about uh, Lady Gaga's Chromatica Ball, mm. and they're showing like video of her performing and whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, what sort of cardio conditioning did she have to do to get ready for this tour? Because my goodness, though, if she's doing all these dance moves, but she's also singing on top of that. And this the show goes on probably, what, an hour, two hours, whatnot? Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing to me that she's able to perform at that high level for that long time in one go. And so I'm just like... What does she do? Because I want to do that sort of workout routine. I want to get into that sort of shape where my lung capacity is able to handle all that. Yeah, I think that it really talks to her talent, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it speaks to her stamina and her strength that not only is she doing that, but she's doing that while also having like fibromyalgia. Yeah, I think true. that's hip, a hip problem. Um, and it, like extensive choreography, like... Mm -hmm. And in outfits that are not the easiest to dance in, pyrotechnics, mm -hmm. playing the piano, singing, singing live, singing mm -hmm. live well. So mm -hmm. it's a lot. Um, I think that having seen Lady Gaga a couple of times, there's an energy within the crowd and that sort of emanates from her and from the crowd. And you feel this connection. It almost like gives you chills when she's on there. You can... You can feel her history. So let yeah. me, to, 
explain, you can feel like that young girl that was bullied, that was told she was never going to make it, that um, was told that she was a slut, that she was ugly, that mm-hmm. was thrown in a trash can, um, mm-hmm. but that fought and that that fights for other people and that stands up for other people. And and um, it just it's such an amazing feeling to feel that energy come from her and the audience giving it back to her. You see people just like giving all of their energy, like dancing and singing along, you know, going on stage. One of my favorite clips to watch is um, Lady Gaga performing. And she, she brings a guy up from the the audience and says, you think you can do this? And he's like, yeah. And he (laughs) does the choreography and nails it. And he like seamlessly starts dancing as part of her background dancers like her dancers sort of help him like you can kind of see them like pointing the direction but he just uh-huh. pulls it and i would challenge any other fan and artist out there to see who could do that there are obviously there are people that are really big fans of like Nicki minaj of you know taylor swift and maybe they can sing the lyrics but like for a fan to like know the choreography and to be able to seamlessly just flawlessly execute it and then the star to invite you up and do mm-hmm. it with her and she's just such a cool port person period yeah yeah such an awesome person gives so much of herself to the audience um if if you know you get a chance to see her like you have to like i'm seeing her in one like maybe i think when i get back from new orleans um in la wow. I, i'm so excited because like i could oh, I, i'm like already getting hyped up and <laughs> and, and stoked and having that energy to go see her um classic songs like the new album's great um it just it's it's so cool and you can see like she's selling out like crazy mm-hmm. like literally stadiums three mm-hmm. nights in a row sold mm-hmm. out that's crazy um, she's just killing it she's just killing it yeah that's that's really cool that's yeah. really cool i'm excited to go watch hamilton yeah. <laughs> in november <Yeah. laughs> oh, oh did you see um and this was interesting to me because we talked about this before on the show that the Academy finally apologized to um, Sachin Littlefeather for the way she was treated. Only took 50 years. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to do a whole special on it. Um, and they're going to make a, I guess, a public apology. And, and what I thought was, um, so I follow some people on Twitter who were talking about that. And then all of the John Wayne fanboys came out of like the woodwork to attack this guy. And yeah. it's like, wow, really? You're going to, you're going to really support John Wayne after all this. And it's just. Yeah. yeah First was, of all, how was how a young person, even a fan of John Wayne? Mm-hmm. Like I can't think of anything more uncool and like ancient and archaic and outdated than like john wayne movies right right and i grew up in like the southwest like i had a horse like i all of that like romanticized cowboy bullshit is so outdated it's so not cool um i saw one of the excuses that i saw from them is like well what do you expect from an old man that was his generation to which i say bullshit because my grandparents were the same age as John Wayne and they weren't racist assholes. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. not everyone <laughs> who was around in that time were racist assholes. Right. Um, there were people that were good people that did, you know, just because there was segregation, um, not everyone 
regulated segregation. There were people that actually welcomed in people of color mm -hmm. that weren't assholes that, um, you know, so I, I really hate that excuse of like, well, that was the times when people look back at us from the future, we're going to be assholes. No, the people that are going to be assholes are the Trump people who mm -hmm. we're calling assholes now. And right. we're not assholes. <laughs> so it's like, it's such a lame excuse. And then I saw the clip of like Clint Eastwood coming up on the Academy Awards after she left the stage and was like, well, maybe I should protest about all the cowboys that get killed. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're so stupid. You're so like it, it didn't age well. You're an asshole. Like I, I so I read this really cool quote, and this is perfect for Clint Easter because <clears throat> it says, when you're in your 20s, um, you uh are given the face that that God gave you, basically your genetics, right? In your 30s, it's it's the the face that like you are uh working with, like that your your health, like you take care of yourself. Yeah. And then in your 40s and 50s, it's like the face that you deserve based on the kind of person you are. <laughs> Look at Clint Eastwood right now. And that's the face that he deserves. He looks like the Crypt Keeper. He looks like a mummy that's like literally bones are about to crack and like dust is going to fly out in the air. And then John Wayne is already rotted in the ground. So we don't have to worry about him. But oh, it just it's so aggravating. It's so um like, why is it an issue that it's it's not cool to harass an indigenous woman and threaten her almost to like physical and and you're defending that? Right. Exactly. There are plenty of people. I can guarantee you that there was whole generations of men that were John Wayne's generation that did not beat up women. Mm -hmm. Sorry, if your grandfather did that, he was an asshole, too. And so. It just, it, it's such a stupid fight. It's such a stupid argument. Yeah. Like, let's learn from it and say, yeah, he was an asshole. You can say you love his movies. Fine. I don't care. Watch his movies. Say that he, you love him. Um, cool. But don't make up excuses about him being an asshole. You can, both of those things can be true. You can love mm -hmm. his movies mm -hmm. and he can be an asshole. Right. I mean, right. And, and for the Academy Award for finally going to, you know, rectify the situation, it's like, oh, cool. Like you're catching up to like yeah. five decades later. Um, well, I guess the good thing is that she's still alive. Yeah, right? it did, they didn't do it after she passed. So she can still she can get that apology while she's still alive. So I guess yeah. that's good. Yeah, that is, I mean, it, that is good. It is good that they're apologizing. <laughs> that they're going to, you know try to rectify the wrongs that that they did but so gross watching it it's so like watching the clips and then watching people run to twitter to try mm -hmm. to try to defend or excuse mm -hmm. um it's just like oh god it's so it, it twitter is such a, a hot mess of disgusting comments and yeah. it's like I, I and I don't know how you can't mute it. You can't escape from it. So I specifically try to only follow people on Twitter that will bring me, you know, stuff that I'm interested in, comic book <laughs> artists, mm -hmm. music. And no matter what I do, I always end up getting pulled into some sort of ridiculous <laughs> argument um, with some like idiot. It could literally be about anything that someone could just say, I love Batman. And then some like Trump, you know, MAGA idiot is like, well, blah, like I, it just, it's, it's crazy. Um, 
but I, I, it, it already aggravates me enough to where I need to drop it. Uh, but today, um, historically, is I think the anniversary of another asshole, Elvis, his, his him dying, uh, which reminds me of one of my favorite lyrics by Public Enemy, um, saying like Elvis was it. Let me let me actually get it because it's such a great quote from um, Public Enemy, their their song, and I have it here on my Twitter because I tweeted it earlier today. Um, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Straight up racist, that sucker was. Simple, plain, motherfucking, mm-hmm. and John Wayne. I love that lyric. <laughs> I, mean, I think we were probably, what, in like middle school when that song came out? I mm-hmm. loved it then. Um, I've never liked Elvis. I've never liked John Wayne. Um, but I saw a really great uh, little tweet here, speaking of the positive side of Twitter. Uh, so he died. Elvis died 45 years ago today. And this person by the name of um, Lama Geddon uh, posted music that Elvis appropriated and never credited the artist. So you have All Shook Up by Otis Blackwell, uh, Hound Dog by Big Martin, Mama Thornton, Return to Sender by Otis Blackwell. Um, That's All Right, Mama by Arthur Crudup, One Night, Spiley Lewis, it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So this laundry list of Black artists that they literally stole their music and never credited and made money off of. Uh, and so it, it, it just like see things with like through clear eyes, like see the people for what they actually were and like, and I know that some of these actors and singers are icons to some people, but now that hindsight is 2020, see them for what they really were. Um, You can still like their music. You can still like their films, but don't deny that they weren't problematic as fuck. And, you know, in some ways, not even deserving of the success that they had. Uh, right. But, you know, that's just me. That's why I won't go see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie. Like, I'm not even interested in the slightest. I could care less about what Elvis did. His, you know, child bride, which like why that's not a controversy. I'll never know. Like he met Priscilla Presley when she was like 14. Um, anyway, but. Yeah, so happy death to Elvis. <laughs> I think it all it all it all really stems back to the question that we always ask, and it's yeah. like, where's the line, right? So yeah. I I I subscribe to I don't subscribe. Well, there's a free version of it um, of Chip Zardaski, who's a, a famous comic book writer that I enjoy. He's done Batman, Daredevil, among many others. And in his newsletter that he sends out weekly, the version that I get, someone asked him um, a random question, it's like. It says, do you think it's okay to still like the work of comic book writers and artists, even when they have become controversial for one one reason or another, right? And that's like the question we had, where's that line? And his answer is basically what you said. It's like, the short answer is everyone's different. Now I'm just quoting what he said exactly. Everyone has their various lines, what they work out in their heads of how bad someone's been to be unsupportable or how bad a company's been or how bad a country's been, right? We make these decisions every day with purchases. There are places I won't shop at, products I won't buy. There are people whose work I won't lay down money for. And then there are some creators where I just can't enjoy their work anymore, even if I've owned it for decades. A story about someone's love for their kids is forever ruined when you find out that that writer was abusive to their kids. Everyone has their lines, their compromises. All you can do is listen to what people have to say, people affected by these creators, and check your gut of what you should do, like with anything in life. So you're the final arbiter of what you consume and how you consume it. The world is complex and you have more information than ever to make your decisions and how that 
And now that can feel, how that can feel overwhelming. So just do the best you can, be kind and listen. And I think that kind of like sums up everything that I've always tried to express when it comes to that topic. You know, it's, it's with all the info that we have nowadays, and it's no longer a, oh, did he do that? It's like, yeah, there's proof that there is. And you can't, you can't no longer rationalize it. I think it's so much harder to do that. Oh, I like it still. I like his old stuff before he did all that. He yeah. was still probably that same person. They, and he just didn't get caught or whatnot. Like, like Brave or Mel Gibson. We use him all the time as an example. Loved Braveheart. Braveheart, one of my favorite movies. Loved the movie, The Patriot. What also a very good movie with like Heath Ledger and whatnot. I can't watch those anymore. And I really want to, I really do, but I can't support that anymore because of what he's done yeah. and his anti-Semitic remarks and everything that he's proven to be. Yeah. And it's, it's just that gut feeling like Chip says. And, and, and so Chip Sardaski, if you ever watch this, thank you for answering that question in such a, in such a way that it makes sense. So yeah, yeah that was just something I wanted to share. Yeah, I think it, he his statement kind of hits the nail right on the head. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's a perfect, I think, way to end the show. <laughs> that insightful, uh, you know, little speech or little uh, summary of mm-hmm. uh, what to do when someone you like is an asshole. Um, so <laughs> hopefully no one thinks that we're assholes, but if you do, please still subscribe, like, watch us, tell us if you think that um, I know it's not possible, but uh, yeah, just go ahead and give us some feedback. Um, we're actually going to have a really cool guest next week and the week after. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some really cool things lined up. Um, definitely check it out because uh, you don't want to miss these two guests that will be coming up on really cool stuff. Um, so that's more to look forward to from us here at Pop Mix. Until then, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time.